Hi and welcome to this month's episode of the Hillsong Film and TV Podcast. I'm Ben Field and today this guy is my guest. In many ways ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody's got one. You got a shower, you're getting ideas. I get my ideas in the shower. I don't know about you. However, I've discovered that the ones that actually break through and get noticed are ones that I've done some work, I've done some preparation, I've created the budget, I've maybe done a sizzle reel, and when I take all that in, suddenly they get, it gets their attention. It's not about the story, it's about your ability to execute that story. So when you go to a production company or you go to Netflix or you go to Amazon Studios or you go to NBC or Fox or someone else, the story is important. However, they also want to know, do you have some juice behind you? Do you have an investor behind you? Do you have a star behind you? So building relationships is just as important as coming up with the idea itself. The more you know about who you're going to, how to pitch well, and what they're looking for, and keep in mind, some of their studios out here that aren't interested in making a profit, they're interested in winning awards. So knowing what people want and what they're interested in is a really, really critical first step. That was Phil Cook, veteran producer, author, media strategist, and co-founding president of Cook Pictures in Los Angeles. It was an honor to spend some time with him to hear from his journey and perspective about Christian media, understanding Hollywood, and what you need to know to take your career forward. It's great to be talking with you, Phil. I am thrilled to be here. This is always fun with you. Thank you. Well, look, I was uh, doing some research and yeah. I saw your bio online. <laughs> says that you're an internationally known writer and speaker. You have a PhD in theology, have produced media programming in more than 60 countries around the world. With During that process, has, you've been shot at, yep. survived two military coups, yeah. fallen out of a helicopter mm-hmm. in Africa and been threatened with prison. It was all a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> it seems you've yeah, lived an eventful question. life. Yeah, I've been very, very fortunate. One of the great things about working with some of the most effective you know, ministries around the world is they're doing amazing things. They're building water wells. They're helping traf- traffic children. They're doing just doing remarkable stuff, but they're doing it in very difficult places. So I've spent most of my career filming in some very, very difficult places around the world. And it's very difficult at the time, but they make great grandkid stories. So it's cool. <laughs> so when you boil it all down, yeah. if, you were to, if you were to tell somebody, what's the one thing you've lived your life for that you've remained passionate about? Yeah. What would that be? Really engaging the culture. Um, I, I, um, I was a, I'm a preacher's kid. My dad was a pastor in the South. And when I was a kid growing up, pastors would do some remarkably oddball things to try to attract people to church. We had a guy in our community, a pastor, who would shave his head if enough people would come to Sunday school. <laughs> Another guy would sit on a pole until so many people came to church. And people, as a kid, people would ask me in school, Phil, why is pastor so-and-so doing such a stupid thing? They don't get it. And I realized early on how we present ourselves to the culture, their perception of us as Christians has a huge, huge amount to do with whether or not they want to accept our message. And so I've always grown up with this really passionate desire to share that message more effectively. And today, the language of the culture is media. And if we're not speaking that language effectively, we're never going to reach the culture. So I've just always been passionate about how can we use the media more effectively. So you're an author. You've written multiple books. Mm -hmm. One of your books, One Big Thing. Yeah. What is that about? Really about helping people discover what they were put on the earth to accomplish. I think most people are struggle with that. I did for a very, very long time. I'd written a book earlier called Unique, Telling Your Story in the Age of Brands and Social Media. And that was really really written to organizations. I, I was the first person, I guess, that really brought the concept of branding into the church and ministry world years and years ago. And um, that in writing that book, I noticed that 
major organizations who excel, who do extraordinary work, who get on the radar and get noticed and accomplish great things are not organizations that are pretty okay at a lot of things. They're organizations that are extraordinary at one unique thing. And once I wrote the book, I realized people are the same way. Most people that succeed aren't average at a bunch of stuff, which most of us would say we are. Um, The people that succeed are extraordinary at one big thing. They have one big gift or talent that they pursue. And so I wrote the book, One Big Thing, to really help people figure it out. And it's not mystical. It's not odd. It's not strange. It's it's remarkably easy. Most of us just really don't understand how to do it. So how did you get there? I mean, was there a tipping point or was there a moment in your life where you went, aha, that's it? That's a great question. I I, I think after working so many years with churches, ministries, and nonprofits, I mean, we've been here in Hollywood and LA for all these years, and we've done Super Bowl commercials. We've done PBS specials for public broadcasting and other things. But I've always wanted to focus on Christian programming, nonprofit programming, because at the end of the day, you feel like you're accomplishing something more significant. And after all those years of working with that many organizations and realizing that niche, the ones who really follow that niche and are the best in the world at one thing, I just had this revelation that people need to understand that about themselves. And because that's what gets them on the radar, that's what gets them noticed, that's what get their, gets their influence out there. And um, it, it was one of those books that almost wrote itself because the idea just came. And I'm one of these people that will wait and wait and wait on a book until I can't hold it back anymore. And when I sit down, it just kind of flows. <laughs> I, I don't have writer's block. <laughs> and um, so that was just one of those books. And I think it's incredibly important for people to understand, stop being average at a bunch of stuff, start focusing on what that niche could be, or niche, as our British friends say, and maybe our Australian friends, uh, that that niche that could be really remarkable that puts you ahead of everybody else. So when you did your PhD in theology, did that come as a reaction to understanding what you wanted to do in media first? Yeah, yeah it's true. My, as I mentioned, my dad was a pastor, but I've never had a moment's desire to become a pastor. I learned early on that through one television special, one film, I could reach more people than my dad reached during his entire lifetime. So I've always been focused on media, but I've always been fascinated by theology, and I love being a student. I love going to school, and I decided to pursue theology. Now, I say that with a caveat. I did my doctoral dissertation on the movie Shawshank Redemption, which freaked out my professors a little bit. And my goal with that was to say that we've got to start evaluating movies better as Christians. You know, there, there's some dark things in Shawshank. There's some uh, a lot of violence, profanity. There's some really ugly things that people would never think is a Christian kind of movie. However, it's an incredibly powerful experience that transcends all that stuff. And I think it's something Christians need to see because it's such a powerful film. And there are other films, Schindler's List, a lot of films out there that you normally, you know, there's nudity in Schindler's List, there's violence, but it's a very powerful, powerful film. So I think we need to engage with those kind of movies if we're going to really speak the language of the culture. So where do you think you draw the line when it comes to things like nudity within storytelling or things that perhaps glorify um, certain areas um, to get a point across? That is a great question. And to a great degree, I leave that up to individuals. You know, when I talk about movies, I understand that some people are going to be uncomfortable with drinking in a movie or, you know, sex in a movie or something like that. And I think for me, the line that you cross is when it's gratuitous, when it's there just to be there. 
Um, you know, I, I just believe that to show the reality of a film, if you're going to show someone whose life was transformed, you've got to show how bad they were. If they're an outlaw biker, if they're a, in the mafia, if whatever they are. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be gratuitous and wallow in it, but I think to make the film real, and that's a criticism that the culture has of a lot of Christian movies. They're just too nice. They're too sanitary. They're just not the way people actually live their lives. So I think sometimes you have to get down and in the mud a little bit just to show how far this character has come in his transformation. So it's, it's, a, it's a fuzzy line, I admit, and everybody's going to be a little different, and I respect everyone's line. A lot of people won't go to movies I go to. I may not go to movies other people go to. But um, we do need to be thinking about that because I think that's really, really important. So you lived your life in Hollywood for a lot of years, yeah. and the film industry is not this thing that's just up on the hill and right. it's something that's to be uh, spied by, but... Uh, you're living in it every single day. But yeah. so many people around the world and across the United States will move to Los Angeles with a big dream in their yes. heart. Or don't move to Los Angeles with a big dream in their heart. Right. Yeah. And for the people that do move, what in your experience has been the biggest misconception that they face when they get here uh, in, in regards to the industry and how it works? That's a really good question. I, I, I could not agree more. When I started in the industry, Hollywood was just bad. Nobody ever wanted to work in it. And suddenly we started to realize that we can have an impact on the culture if we get involved, if we get plugged in, and we can make more of a difference on the inside than we can on the outside criticizing. I'm not a big boycott, petition drive, critic, critical person. I think that if we want to change Hollywood, we don't do it by yelling at them. We do it by getting inside and make change happen from there. But when someone comes out here, let me first of all, let me just say, coming out here is an important step. Yeah. I think it's very hard. We hear about cameras are inexpensive, films are being shot in Atlanta and Dallas and Charlotte and other places. But the truth is the decisions are still made in Hollywood or New York. And I think if you want to be a real player, if you want to get involved and really get into the industry, sooner or later you've probably got to come here where it actually exists. And I've, just, I've discovered so many projects for me have happened because I drove across town at the last minute for coffee with somebody, or you bumped into somebody at a conference, or you just picked up the phone and, and it was nearby so you could meet. I think geography does matter if you really want to make a difference out here. But one of the misconceptions, I think, is that you know God called me to come out to Hollywood to make a film, so the doors are going to open. Uh, I find too many Christians that uh, have that attitude, and as a result, they'll go into a studio meeting, and they'll meet a producer and tell them that God called me to Hollywood to make this movie, or he called me to Hollywood to change the industry. Right. Uh, I always tell those people, don't lead with your faith, lead with your talent. Talent is what opens the doors, not your faith. Uh, People will get laughed off the studio lot. They'll get laughed out of the studio if, if you lead with this vision that God called you to come to Hollywood. I'm glad he did. I think it's awesome. I'm all for it. However, you don't lead with that. You should lead with being a brilliant writer or an actor or producer or director. That's what gets people's attention. In Hollywood, if you're really good at what you do, that's what opens doors. And they will listen to anything you have to say. I actually have discovered that being a Christian in Hollywood is not that weird. I mean, I know people who worship rocks and hug trees. So being a Christian is not that strange. Um, as long as you get their attention with your talent, that's what's really, really critical. So before you come to LA, my encouragement is be incredibly good. Find that one area that you're extraordinary at, whether it's video editor, or television director, or movie writer, screenwriter, whatever. Be extraordinary at that because that's what will open doors and get people's attention. And do you think that people need to have something to show when they're coming in? I mean, so many things now are not 
picked up on spec or uh, just with the treatment, but they want to see what you're capable of. Is that true? Absolutely true. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes I made earlier in my career. Um, I've been primarily a client-driven company all these years. People hire us to produce stuff for them. My greatest regret is that early on in my 20s, I did not take that camera off to the side and create my own short films. It was a little different industry back then, but I still believe had I you know, mortgaged the house or, or got some credit cards and, and gone out and made a movie, it's important to have something on your reel. I have that now, but I didn't have it early in my career. So I think, um, I'm telling you, have a bag full of screenplays that you've written. Have a demo reel that looks really, really good. I tell young directors today, spec spots. You, you know, make a Nike commercial, make an Adidas spot, Bank America, whatever. It doesn't have to be real. real. It doesn't have to be commissioned by them. Just go out and make it, but make it extraordinary. And we hire people today based on the strength of their reels. And so have something to show. The um, You've probably seen people come and go. You've probably seen people rise to the top and people that have not done so well. What do you think the difference has been between those who have succeeded uh, in the industry and those who haven't? I find that most people um, fail not because they weren't talented, not because they weren't gifted, not because they weren't driven. I think most people fail because they simply don't know how the business works. They don't get it. Uh, for instance, I got a comedy uh, a reel. A guy had actually spent the money to create a sizzle reel for a comedy show he had. He sent it out to me. He lives in the Midwest. He has no relationship with the studio. No, nobody he knows in Hollywood. I'm it, I guess. And he sent me this reel expecting the studio to want to fund, put millions of dollars into this. He doesn't realize that the studio already has a deal with probably 12 producers. They have maybe 20 or 30 pilots in the pipeline already. Why will they suddenly stop all that to take a look at his sizzle reel and say, oh, here's $5 million. Go out and make your, your series. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to understand how the business works. It's not a bad business. In fact, Hollywood is the most influential place on the planet. These guys, you may not like the movies they produce or the TV they produce, but they're good at what they do. And um, so I think we need to get in there, understand how it works, do our homework. That's going to make us so much more effective. So what do you think, I mean, everybody has great ideas, right? I think that's probably the most common thing you get asked, which is, I feel I got this great story or it's about this or it's about that. Um, when When you look through all of that, what does the studio actually look for? What does a producer look for? Because it's more than just a fantastic story. What do they look at before they want to engage with taking it further? Yeah, you know, honestly, this is going to sound really weird, but I'm kind of past the story, story, story thing. You know, for for years, everybody's talking about story, story. And, And trust me, don't get me wrong, stories are incredibly important. But the truth is... It's not about the story. It's about your, your ability to execute that story. So when you go to a production company or you go to Netflix or you go to Amazon Studios or you go to NBC or Fox or someone else, the story is important. However, they also want to know, do you have some juice behind you? Do you have an investor behind you? Do you have a star behind you? Do you have a director? Right now, directors are critically important to projects. If it's a named director, that's important. So building relationships is just as important as coming up with the idea itself. They want to know, and in fact, I know people that have had great ideas, but because they couldn't execute, they gave that idea to another company. Now, this guy got the credit, but he didn't get to make his idea. So they want to have relationships with people they know can deliver. So you need to have that reel, you need to have that portfolio, you need to have those scripts to show a studio that you can actually deliver those ideas. 
you know, in many ways, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody's got one. You got a shower, you're getting ideas. I get my ideas in the shower. <laughs> I don't know about you. But uh, I got I, drawers full of ideas. However, I've discovered that the ones that actually break through and get noticed are ones that I've, you know, I, I, I've done some work. I've done some preparation. I've created the budget. I've maybe done a sizzle reel. And when I take all that in, suddenly they get, it gets their attention. Over the years, I've been traveling here to Los Angeles, um, I quickly understand that different studios make different kind of films. And I think so many people maybe don't understand that different companies make different things. And how important is it to know your audience and know who you're calling to pitch your film to? Absolutely life and death. With with Google, with the internet, there's no reason for you not to do your homework. I've seen guys pitch family films to horror studios. Right. Uh, Guys pitch horror movies to family film producers. It's just ridiculous. Number one, it's offensive to me because it tells me they haven't done any homework. They don't know what I do or who I am. They're just out pitching. I think that's incredibly important. And also doing your homework matters because, I mean, A, let me tell you, you, you get so frustrated pitching and hitting a wall out here. You're always pitching ideas, and, and you get frustrated. So the more you know about who you're going to, how to pitch well, and what they're looking for, and keep in mind, some of their studios out here that aren't interested in making a profit, they're interested in winning awards. Um, I, I've known studios that would like to work. Martin Scorsese is a great example. He's a brilliant director. He doesn't make much money. His films don't make much profit. Most of them lose money. And yet, any studio out here will want to work with Martin Scorsese because he's such a high-level, respected director. So knowing what people want and what they're interested in is a really, really critical first step. For those people that are faith-driven, I guess, in their purpose when it yeah. comes to wanting to you know, impact Hollywood or impact culture through film and television, um, what could you tell them about the landscape of faith in Hollywood? Because from the outside, you can see these Christian movies that are becoming more successful. You see people like Mark Burnett creating you know, Ben-Hur in the Bible series, and it can feel like there's a massive open door that everyone's open for it. Do you think this is a short period of time we're experiencing? Do you think that studios are in it because of the message, or do they think that they just see a built-in audience that they can make money from? It'll be a short time if we don't pitch some really great projects that people will respond respond to. I think Hollywood ultimately is a is a business. Hollywood is ultimately about making money. And so the faith-based thing is great, but they want to know if it's going to make them money. Uh, it's, it's a business. I understand that. I respect that. Um, and, and I think the good thing about that is I just don't think Hollywood is anti-Christian. So many people feel like Hollywood is anti-Christian. And I'm sure there are people in Hollywood that don't like Christians that may even hate them. But there are lawyers that hate Christians. There are doctors that hate Christians. There are people from any walk of life that hate Christians. I think the thing to do is understand that when you're pitching a project, if it's good, if it's going to help them make money, they're wide open. I mean, I've been doing this for so long, and I've never once lost a project, been excluded from a project, been um, condescended to in any meeting because I'm a believer. And, and I put it out there. I don't, I don't wave a flag, but everybody knows pretty much that I focus on Christian projects. And I was at the Producers Guild uh, National Conference last week in Hollywood over at Fox Studios. And I was having lunch with a group of producers I'd never met before, all non-believers. And when they asked me what I do for a living, I told them. And, and I think it's in the way you present it. They were all, whoa, that's pretty interesting. That's kind of cool. And I just don't think that we should go into Hollywood assuming everybody hates what we do. I think Hollywood does want to make a buck. So they're not terribly interested in evangelism, but they are interested in profit. And if you can show them that your idea can do that, they're interested. Last thing for that person listening to this in a small town somewhere, 
they got that dream in their heart to do something. Uh, what would you say to them to encourage them to take those next steps forward uh, in pursuing that dream when it comes to media and influencing culture? It may seem like the most difficult thing in the world. And the truth is, Hollywood, media generally is the most competitive business I, I know of on the planet. I mean, something, a statistic I read recently indicated that about 22,000 film school graduates descend on Hollywood every single year. So that's not counting the 22,000 from last year and the year before and the year before. And you see the level of competition that there is out here. So understand, number one, coming to Hollywood is really, really, there's a high level of excellence out here. So I think if you're in Topeka, if you're in Tupelo, if you're in some small town somewhere and you feel like God's giving you a dream, Start there. Get involved in a theater company there. Start writing there. Start working with a church there. You know, I, I sometimes get upset with film, Christian film schools. They're training directors to all come to Hollywood where they've got about .0001 chance of succeeding. But the truth is there are thousands of churches looking for great media people, people that can do things with a camera and help them tell their story. So I think local churches are a powerful place to begin training for media. Hillsong is a great example. You guys have trained some amazing people that are now working in the industry. Um, so that's a great place. So start locally where you are. Get involved. It's very hard to come to Hollywood if you don't have some significant experience in Dallas or Atlanta or Charlotte or New York or someplace, wherever you are right now. So get involved. And truth is, there are probably filmmakers in your area. Reach out to them. There's probably a school, a college that has film program or television or media, digital media program. Get involved in that. Learn everything you possibly can. So when you do come to Hollywood, your level of quality is up, your expertise is up, you understand the level of competition, and you're you're ready to get in the game and compete. Phil, you're a good man. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. It's been fun. I'm so glad you took the time to tune in today. Hey, before you go, if you loved what Phil had to say, he has a great blog you can subscribe to online at philcook.com. You can also check out his company at cookpictures.com. If you haven't already, please, please, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel to make sure you get all the latest episodes as soon as they come out. Well, I look forward to being with you again next time on the Hillsong Film and TV podcast. I'm Ben Field. Bye for now.